In honor of Groundhog Day. Hi, three cheeseburgers, two large fries, two milkshakes, and one large Coke. <laughs> Don't drive angry. <sighs> that's nice. That's one of the greatest movies of all time. That's a, that's, it's a damn good movie. It's been, I probably haven't seen it in 20 years. Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by the effervescent Scott Nelson. Nicely done. This week I realized there's a lot of words that we all know. We just don't use them in, in regular conversation. That's, I think we should. Okay, You know what? I'll take being effervescent. When's the last time you used the word effervescent? It's been a minute. On, honestly, it probably was in the context of a Friends episode. Really? The one where Chandler takes a bath. Oh, that's a good episode. Yeah. The bath salts. They're effervescing. That's right. (laughs) It's different. It's interesting. That's funny. Friends is a way of always making the day better. Do you have a favorite episode? Oh, man, that's tough. Mine's the one with the prom video. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. He's our lobster, obviously. Right. Right. That's right. Gosh. Gosh. I mean, I love this. I love the sequence where they're in. I love the sequence where they're in Barbados. I think that's a good one. Both of the ones in Vegas. The one after London is one of my favorites. Where in London. In London. <laughs> All right. So we are recording this on Thursday, February 1st, which means tomorrow is Groundhog Day. So it's sometime tomorrow morning. Puxatani Phil, the groundhog, will peek his head out of a hole in the ground or a box or a fake log or something. And he'll see his shadow or not. When Which is which? I, I believe that if he sees his shadow... He gets scared. He runs back in, and we have six more weeks of winter. I think that's right. If it's nice that day, and so I right. think of it. if it's sunny, he sees it. Longer winter. If it's cloudy, it's really winter now. Thus, less winter. That that is the theory. Although I am skeptical about whether or not you know a ground-based rodent seeing their shadow can give accurate meteorological data. Statistically, he has been wrong more often than he's been right, and so we should just flip it the other way. If he sees this shadow. Spring is coming because that would actually be right more of the time. You know, if I was Fox Family Phil, that's that's what I would say. I'd be like, guys, it's not that I've been wrong. It's that you guys are misinterpreting my signals. That's fair. Except for if you were Puxit Honey Phil, you wouldn't talk because you'd be a rodent. Hey, guys. That's <laughs> 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 my shadow. That's your, I, I love that that's your groundhog voice. I, it's my small <coughs> that's your, woodland your, creature your voice. Small woodland creature voice. All right. I don't like it. it. All right. So in the spirit of Groundhog Day, we're going to end this episode casting a few of our own predictions. See if we see our shadow about what to expect on Monday for the governor's state of the state address. And then some really looking into the Magic 8 Ball about what might happen during this session. This is not scientific. This is just Scott and I trying to guess. Shot in the dark. Perusing. And uh, winner gets uh, ruminating. A tote bag, I guess. That's what we give away. Right. right. <laughs> All right. So before we get to our Groundhog Day predictions, uh, a couple of things that have happened this week of note. Scott, you mentioned Senate Bill 876. Yeah. So there's Senate Bill 876. So this is a measure that has been filed by Senator Standridge, who I believe is from Norman, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Senator Standridge. So this is a bill. This is the... This is the uh, Right Side Up Government Act of 2018. Um, this is That's interesting a good title. To me. I mean, the title's half the battle, right? Um, this this is an interesting bill. So 
this would replace legislative liaisons with uh, legislative auditors. So right now, many, many state agencies, there's 145 state agencies that fall into this category, have a staffer, an employee who's really their sole job is to go to the Capitol, interact with legislators. They talk to the representatives. They talk to the senators about here's what's happening at our agency. This is These are the projects we're working on. Here's been recent successes. Here's maybe things that we need to improve on. Oh, and by the way, these areas that we need to improve on, it would be super helpful to you to give us more money so we could do better jobs. Right. They've got to answer questions. And there's no way that the legislature can know everything that's going on in every state agency. And so they need to ask questions and find out, you know, like what's happening. Well, the health department, certainly what's happening over there. But even DHS successes, failures, needs, wants, whatever they've they've got to have someone over there to talk to. Yeah, you could you know the legislative liaison their function is kind of a go between the agency and the legislature. But in practice, a lot of times they they almost act as like a like a lobbyist for the agency. Like their job is not just to communicate between the legislature and government agencies, but also to advocate for the agency. You know, advocate on their behalf to the senators and the reps. I would say that that is education, right? Like you said, this is what we're doing. This is what we need money for. Sure. And and you've got to have someone whose job is to do that. There's no way the legislature will just know a priori knowledge that, oh, right, well, they need a new building or whatever. Right. And that's a great point. You know, I think one thing that happens in our political discourse, both here locally and nationally, and this has been really true in the last certainly in the last 10 years and really even probably going back a little bit further than that is the idea that lobbyists are like intrinsically evil. You know, like we hear all this bill was just written by a lobbyist or, you know, K street lobbyists in Washington are the only ones that have any influence. And certainly I think that there can be a corrupting influence of money in politics. And anytime secondarily to that, anytime someone is being paid by a particular interest group, industry, whatever to go advocate on their behalf it doesn't mean that they're doesn't mean that they're giving bad information it doesn't mean that they're you know a, a bad person but it just means okay if i'm hearing a lobbyist for say the coal industry the information that they're giving me is probably coming from the coal industry to paint them in the best possible light and you just have to know that like you just have to know that about them and know that that's part of their job and it's similar i think with these people that are interacting with state agencies and state legislators on behalf of agencies. No one person, particularly if you're a freshman, right? If you're a freshman who's in your first session at the Capitol, you may not know what most of these agencies do. And the legislative liaisons provide about a valuable resource to kind of get you some of that information. Sure. Sure. Senator Stanbridge's bill would essentially do away, if, if I understand it correctly, it would essentially do away with the position of legislative liaison and replace it with a legislative auditor. So this would be some. This would take these employees who now work for these particular agencies and replace them with an employee who reports to the legislature. So the legislature writes their paycheck, and part of their job would be to kind of conduct ongoing internal audits of agency finances, and so they could report to the legislature in a detailed way about how a particular agency is spending their money. Hmm. And it, it has an exclusion for agencies where the executive director or the commissioner, whatever the head person is, if that person that kind of serves a dual role, they obviously wouldn't have, right. they wouldn't, they'd be excluded. They'd still yeah. be director of that position. Yeah. So if the C, if the CEO of an agency or the director or whatever also serves as a legislative liaison, you're not going to replace the director with an internal auditor. Um, 
it's an interesting bill. And this is, you know, I think this is one of those bills that at first glance, right, like when you when you first hear about it, you're like, man, all the financial problems that the states have recently, this sounds like a great idea. Like, why wouldn't we want to do this? You and I have talked here on the pod about how is it possible that the legislature doesn't understand how agencies spend their money? How is it possible that they don't know? How is it, how is it possible that these agencies, you know, haven't been audited in 15 years or 20 years or what have you? But if you take a step back and think about what the implications are, I think it's a reasonable question to ask, who then is going to advocate on behalf of these agencies, right? You're the, you know, you're the office of water quality. I feel, you know, like, I don't know, I just made that up. I don't don't, don't know if we have an office of water quality. You know, you've got some obscure agency that no one's really sure what it does. Well, there's lots of small government agencies that actually perform really important do important work. Isn't there a peanut commission or something? I mean, probably. I think it I think that I think it's a reasonable question to ask is it appropriate to just replace the legislative liaisons with someone who now works for the legislature and kind of do away with the ability of agencies to have that kind of professional advocate. Does yeah. that make sense? I think it makes sense. So I also I think it's worth mentioning or reminding that this is an election year. And so a lot of the legislation, a lot of the 2000 bills that have been filed are aimed at being filed and not necessarily passing. Right. And so that someone can say, I filed a bill about this. Government uh, accountability, government oversight. Right. Yeah. I mean, someone can say, I filed a, filed a bill to give teachers a $20,000 pay raise. Has zero chance of passing, but man, it looks good and something good when you're knocking doors and telling teachers, I filed a bill. Man, those guys just didn't take it anywhere. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, that's a great point. And that, you know, that may be the intent of this bill. Um, he's attached an emergency clause to it, which you and I were talking about for the pod people do all the time. So, Which just enacts it sooner. If, right. And it's two separate votes. They vote for the bill. And if it passes, then they vote on the emergency, and it's a higher threshold. It's a 60% um, threshold to get that, right. and it would go into effect in 30 days instead, instead of 90, 90 days. Yeah. So. yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if it goes anywhere. I think the other issue is, you know, you could, I think, I think the the other argument you could make is, all right, well, we don't want to do away with legis- legislative liaisons, but maybe we have these auditors in addition well, now you're just creating a whole other, like you're, you've basically, like it's a whole other department, right? Like you've just added kind of another layer of bureaucracy, um, which doesn't go over well in a small government state like Oklahoma. And two, I don't know how we would afford it. So I guess one question I would have for Senator Stanbridge is, why do we need this? We have a state auditor. We have a state auditor whose office is, I think, arguably overworked and underfunded. Why don't we just appropriate more money to the state auditor so that the state auditor's office can conduct this kind of oversight, do these audits where it's needed, and we avoid creating another layer of bureaucracy. We don't we don't cost the legislative liaisons their job, and I bet that doing it that way would be cheaper. Well, and you'd already have people with expertise in, in auditing and that kind of thing. Right. Um, my hunch is that I think the answer to your question is contained therein that the state auditor's office is overworked and underfunded and we have no money to give them. We could raise taxes. <laughs> I don't have a snappy comeback, but yes, we could raise taxes. It's, I do think it's funny that uh, the bill is entitled the Right Side Up Government, uh, Right Side Up Government Act of 2018, which is different than the Right Size of Government, 
which is another buzzword or phrase you hear indeed. tossed around. Indeed. So that's, um, that was that was the bill that kind of caught my eye this week as I was, you know, looking uh, looking forward to Monday. A quick follow up: there is indeed an Oklahoma Peanut Commission. They have a website, okpeanutcom c o m m dot org. However, their calendar of events has not been updated since 2016, or they just haven't had any events since 2016. I'm a little bummed that in March of 2016 they had an Oklahoma Peanut Expo in Altus. I would attend. I love, you know, I love small town festivals. Oh yeah, and and peanuts are delicious. International Peanut Forum. Well, that was in Spain. Hot dog. You think you think we could get somebody from the Peanut Commission on the pod? The USA Peanut Congress. The American Peanut Research and Education Society meeting in Florida and Septemberfest, which is in September. Um, you know, I... It was fun, about two years ago. Fun fact. I was part of the inaugural Septemberfest celebration held at the governor's mansion under the supervision of one Kathy Keating. Hmm. Yeah. What was your role? I uh, was in a sketch, if you will, a role-playing kind of situation. Some drama? Uh, yeah, I was either Lewis or Clark or somebody. I was young. How old were you? I think sixth grade. Okay, so it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. I will forgive you for not knowing who you who you were in this pivotal, <laughs> seminal, <coughs> dramatic moment. Yeah, I was one of the one of those explorer type people. Fair enough. All right, so let's uh, let's move from the right side up government act of 2018 to a brief update on the step up coalition. Continues to be the most talked about plan that I've seen in recent history. Uh, this again, this is the plan put forth by the we'll say the business community uh, on Wednesday. Yesterday, I attended the Oklahoma City Chamber of Commerce their annual legislative breakfast. And it was certainly, as the, any chamber would be, it's a business organization, so lots of discussion about the step-up plan. They've also had some other people sign on, uh, including some Democrats. It is has truly become a, more of a bipartisan agreement, I think. We saw OU President David Boren sign on. We saw all of the living governors, including Governor Brett Henry, who was a Democrat, and Governor Walters, who was a very outspoken Democrat. That's a true story. And I think he was the one that surprised me the most. Like when he signed on, I was like, well, now it's getting serious. Like this is a big deal. Um, The Oklahoma Employee, uh, Oklahoma Education Association, the OEA, which is the teachers union, they signed on. Uh, The Oklahoma uh, Hospital Association has signed on. So there's a lot of groups, including some of those groups that, that you might not expect joining forces with like the oil and gas industry, let's say. Uh, and I, from what I hear is that people, everyone's like, listen, um, you know, OEA would like to get a $10,000 teacher pay raise. They have a bill for that that's proposed this year. The step-up plan would give them a $5,000 raise. And they're like, you know what? That's better than nothing. Let's not, let's not be jerks. Like, let's not bite the hand that feeds us. We need a teacher pay raise not if this the, is going to pass. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. Yes. There you go. So I think those kind of things are, we're starting to see more and more groups sign on, more and more kind of people of note. However, are we seeing any legislators sign on? Uh, that's what I was going to say. Is, <laughs> I've, so I heard two different numbers. I heard, um, I heard a Democrat say that there were 71 votes and I had a Republican tell me there was only 40 votes. That seems awfully low. And there's more than 40 votes. Yeah. 
Um, but the last I'd heard was 71. And the people think that some of it, there may be a few, I think a few of those core Republicans, the uh, platform caucus, the far right, um, no tax, no way, no how. The, the same people who killed every other revenue measure. Right. Um, that they are, maybe a couple of those have cracked and are flipping. Um, but I think there's still a couple of Democrats that are in flux as well. And the interesting thing is that somehow, against all the scientific odds, the tobacco lobby is still hanging on. They would like to see the $1.50 tobacco tax, which we've talked about for three years now. They want it to be 75 cents, which all the studies say that if it's it has to be at least a dollar to have any behavioral change. Which is why they don't want it to be a dollar. Right. So they're, And if it's 75 cents, they can give you coupons to make it the same price. Right. So it would have no impact, and there would be no impact on teen smoking. And I, it, just as a, as a individual, as a person, it is flabbergasting that in this day and age, with the mountain of evidence, I mean, the, the packages literally say, like, this causes cancer, that they still have enough power to be like, no, no. We want people to keep smoking. They want replacement smokers, as they as they call them. Yeah, teenagers. Yeah, their newest deal. Um, I saw earlier this week. There, this week last week. There's a new product coming out now, where it like it's like a capsule and it burns tobacco some way like inside an electronic device, like so a vape. It's like a vape, but instead of nicotine, like it does actually burn the tobacco, and it's what they're. It's like their new thing. Like this is going to be how they try to get people to start smoking in the future. Do you, is that like a pill? You, you don't no, no, it's it. a no. It's a it's a it's a. When I say capsule, I mean like it's encapsulated. Like it doesn't it's like smoke. A, like the the smoke is contained inside a chamber, and you like suck on that chamber to get it out. But it's so not there's like, like no secondhand smoke. Well, it is when you breathe it out. Less secondhand smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the tobacco. The tobacco industry is, I mean, they're, you know, they're, there's nothing else, but. Hey, people need jobs. Let's just maybe find them jobs that don't kill people. I mean, I think that'd be nice. Yeah. No, Step Up is, Step Up's interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes. I think 40 is ridiculous. 71, I could, I could believe that. I could buy 71. Well, we had 71 votes last session or sometime in the special session or yeah. something. But again, it's funny to me that people say, oh yeah, well, there's 71 votes for the Step Up plan. What does that mean? Because as we've talked about at length, this cannot be, there's no step up plan bill. Right. There can't be, right. right? There there will be, there would have to be, unless unless there's been a rule change that we don't know about, unless something's, unless, unless there's something kind of funny going on, there would have to be at a minimum one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different revenue bills, okay? I can absolutely believe that cigarette tax, which is one of the revenue proposals, would get 71. The gross production tax, I think you could probably get to 71 since they're only going to four. Motor fuels, you'd probably get to 71. Wind power, we'd get to, I think you'd get 75 on wind power because there's just a lot of people at the Capitol that hate wind power. And they're pushing back really hard, though. Uh, refundable income tax credits, you probably could get there. Gaming, you could get there. I don't. I could be wrong. I personally do not see a universe in which there are 75 votes or 76 votes to raise the personal income tax. So that is um, a tricky thing because there's the seven revenue measures plus 11 policy reforms. Right. And... These would all have to be separate bills because right. we have the single subject rule in our in our constitution. Right. And like lowering the supermajority required to raise revenue. That's one of the uh, 11 government reforms. I don't think the legislature can do that because that was a state question that altered the constitution, right? So right. That, it would be a constitutional amendment which has to go to the vote of the people. Right. So that's something like that's not even something that 
the legislature can do. Right. So when people say, oh, there's this many votes for step up or there's this many votes for step up, I, I just want to ask, like, what does that mean? Like, which part of the plan are you saying has 71 people? And even with that, groups like OEA have said, like, they support raising revenue, but they haven't necessarily, like, signed on to all of the policy changes. And I think you're starting to see some kind of fracturing in some areas there. You know, looking at looking at this, I, I think that this session, I think we could get the tobacco tax. I think we could get the GPT from two to four. I think we could get motor fuel and wind power. I don't know that we could get refundable income tax credits. I don't know that they can get the personal income tax. And the other thing is, maybe you've seen this. I haven't seen this. Have you seen a breakdown of how much revenue is generated by each one of these measures? Because it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, this raises $800 million, But, you know, if half of that is coming from refundable income tax credits and personal income tax and you can't get those two things, then suddenly this doesn't help us nearly as much as we thought, right? right. Like, the cigarette tax is something like $200 million, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been... 215, but the, all these numbers, I think, are flexible. Right. The other thing is it depends when they're passed. And so what I heard today is that there is a big push to get all of these um, heard and passed within the next two weeks, the revenue measures, because they still have to wait 90 days because right. there's a 90-day clause. Unless the, they attach emergency clauses to all and there's of them. No, it doesn't matter because they can't on these because it's such a high threshold. Um, and so there's no emergency option there. Okay. Uh, and so it there has to be 90 days on any revenue measure. And the sooner we pass them, um, then the sooner we can start getting revenue. Had we passed these, and we needed this money yesterday. Yeah, the sooner we pass these, the sooner we can start getting money. And we needed this money yesterday because um, this has to be for this, the current 2017 or 2018 fiscal year. And we don't have that budget finalized yet, so we have to do that first so that hopefully by April or May we can start collecting this revenue that will be needed in that month. I also heard earlier this week that uh, one of the state agencies that was supposed to receive money from the cigarette tax, and I'm not sure if it's DHS or the healthcare authority, but one of them may run out of money faster than what they anticipated because it's been more costly because we have more people and so that might mean that instead of running out of money in April, we're going to run out in March. And then what happens? They're yeah. going to just deny care for a month. They're going to cut provider rates or I'm not sure. Well, and the other thing complicating this is, right, we're still, I mean, they're, they're recessed. They're not in session today, but we still haven't resolved the second special session from 2017, right? So when they take up the step up plan or if they take up these components of the step up plan, is that going to happen as part of the regular 2018 session or is that going to happen as part of the 2017 special session? I heard it's going to be part of the 2017 session. Um, what I expect to happen is on Monday following the state of the state. Uh, so the governor will deliver the state of the state address uh, around noon, 1230 on Monday. And then after that, the legislature will officially gavel in for the 2018 regular session. They will likely... They'll gavel in, do a few things. Right. Um, recognize new members, like do that. Recognize of. new members. They'll hear um, all the bills will be considered first read. They're not, they won't list them all. They'll just say this is considered the first reading of all the bills and they're assigned to committees. Uh, and then they will gavel out at some point and then gavel back in as the 2017 second special session or extraordinary session and, and start the process of hearing because these bills have to still be heard three right. times where right. they can really be voted on. So they got to get that process going like on Monday with the hope they can vote on them and get them passed within two weeks. Hey kids, 
for all you guys listening at home, this is a really great example of why you should do things right the first time. If you do things right the first time, there's less pressure, there's less hassle, you don't have to be in a hurry, you don't have to worry about making mistakes. Just take your time and do it right the first time. Don't be like the Oklahoma State government. Yeah, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, and this is and is honestly like an unprecedented area for us. We haven't had two special sessions. We haven't had a concurrent special session in a long time. Uh, likely never for any of these people or for a, a big number of these folks that are in office. And so what's funny is that I was talking to a guy the other night who has been a Democrat, not his whole life, but for a very long time. He used to work for the state Senate back in the early 90s when it was a majority Democrat um, legislature. In fact, the ratio was almost the same, and but flipped, right? So we had a super majority of Democrats. Yeah. They passed um, House Bill 1017, which was a big education amendment deal um, that kind of was a big tax increase. The it, was largest. The, it was the impetus for state question 640. Right. So two years later, that passed in 1990. And then two years later, 92, they passed state question 640, which set this high threshold for revenue raising measures. And as a, and the tide had begun to shift towards Republicans. And then you fast forward 25 years. Here we are where it's a supermajority Republicans. And now the same group that got it passed are trying to get it amended which yeah. fine. I mean, that's something. It's a lesson learned. We just have to find ways to correct it now, so that our state doesn't continue down this path of insolvency. I mean, do they have do they have bills for all these? I mean, do, does all these revenue measures have bills? Have they found people to run the bills? Like, where so, where are we in the process of all the kind of components of step up? Not that I've seen. Um, so, and this has been a big. Um, I think this has been the response from a lot of Democrats is that. They support raising revenue because clearly we need it, but they want to see the bills first. Sure. Uh, and I, okay. I mean, yeah, we yeah. all want to see the bills. So they haven't actually been put out there yet. Um, and that's kind of why they got to start the process this week is to really get the ball rolling. Somebody's going to have a long weekend. <laughs> yeah. There may be some late nights early on in session. Yeah. Which is interesting because I think, you know, in the past, it's uh, beginning of session. There's, I mean, there's not a lot that happens, right? No, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot of grandstanding, right? There's a lot of like, make all of the animals the property of Almighty God kind of bills at the beginning. There's a lot of social issue bills dealing with things like abortion, bathrooms, gay marriage, these sorts of things. Those tend to happen, I think, more at the beginning of legislature than at the end. Right. I mean, um, out of the two thousand bills that have been proposed, they all go to a committee, or they're all assigned to a committee, and at least half of them are not even heard. And so there's a lot of uproar about some of these um, maybe, you know, kind of outrageous bills that won't go anywhere. Yeah. And so I encourage everyone, don't don't waste all your energy on stuff that's totally nuts. Kind of wait and see what happens. It is a lot of work for legislators. Like they have they have long committee meetings where they're reviewing 20, 30 bills. And it's tough to like think about and talk about all these bills and give them each the time they're due in the confines of what they have to work with. Well, and particularly if you're, you know, and I'm, you know, there are, there are folks out there who I think have, you know, there, there are good reasons for this. There are folks out there that feel like everyone who's in the government or at least in the legislative process of government should have like a background in law. Um, I don't know that I would go that far, but I'll tell you, if you've ever sat down and tried to actually read a bill it is hard. It's like if you, are, if you are not used to reading legislative language, 
or even if you are used to reading legislative language, it can be it can be tough to kind of really dissect exactly what these things do. Then again, you know, we've talked about term limits, and this is, you know, I think appropriate to bring up here because one of the government reforms that the step up folks have proposed is to modify term limits. I haven't seen details of that, but I assume it's that they want to either extend them or do away with them. Extend them to 16 years. To 16 years from 12 currently. So right now, if you are in elected in the House or the Senate in Oklahoma, you can serve a total of 12 years in both chambers. The House serves two-year terms. The Senate terms serves four-year terms. So you can do six in the House, three in the Senate, or any combination thereof. Um, and I guess they want to extend that to 16 years. There's a, a steep learning curve that comes with these jobs. Um, and it can easily be six, seven, eight years before you really hit your stride. Um, and by that point, a lot of people want to do something else. They've moved on to other positions in government. There's a lot of people who don't serve out the full 12 years. So there's really a lack of institutional knowledge. It's interesting to see, or it will be interesting to see on Monday. I think you're right. I don't think that anyone currently, in fact, I know, I would say I know because of term limits, no one currently serving in the House or the Senate has ever had a concurrent special session and regular session. Like it has not happened in the last 12 years. Right. So like procedurally, I assume that they're kind of doing some review, looking up the rules like, hey, anybody... uh. Anybody know how we do this? I, I, my hunch is that it's that's that feeling of like, oh, I should not have taken sixteen hours this semester, right? Like right. it's like one thing too much, right? Well, and the thing is that you know it sounds like it's maybe kind of a silly question, like oh my god, like who cares what the rules are, how they do it? The reason that the rules matter is because if you try to gavel in, right, or you try if you try to do this and then you don't follow the rules, and then a bill passes or doesn't pass or something. There can be challenges later that whatever the outcome is wasn't valid because the procedure wasn't followed. Right. And as we know, this is this current legislature maybe doesn't always follow the rules to a T. So right. let's not screw it up again. All right. So uh, let's change gears. And um, I do want to give a quick plug for um, there's a group that meets uh, weekly or every couple of weeks called the Oklahoma Advocates Table. Uh, this is a nonpartisan uh, group, not a coalition, just a a group of groups, actually. Bailey Perkins over at the Oklahoma Policy Institute is kind of the one that organizes this. Um, if you are interested in participating, uh, you just need to email Bailey and find out kind of where we meet. Um, I go to a lot of the meetings just to kind of sit in and listen and find out kind of what everyone's hearing. So it's a, a pretty open group. It's not it's not secretive or anything. And so if you're interested in participating, there are some citizen advocates that come just on their own, as well as some representatives of certain organizations or trade groups um but it's a chance for everyone to kind of share like hey this is what our legislative priorities are this year this is the bills we're working on for for me today the first meeting this year i just said you know for let's fix this we're just hoping to get a lot more people to the capitol we're really hoping people will show up tune in and show up Uh, we're not pushing any policy it's just a chance to to get involved and speaking of showing up at the capitol your very first opportunity to do that is coming up uh, in about four days from today. That's right. So Monday, February 5th, State of the State Address, Governor Fallon will be addressing uh, the state legislature, giving her uh, annual speech where she outlines her priorities for the 2018 legislative session and for the state throughout the year. Andy and I will be there. We'll be there listening, live tweeting, uh, getting some interviews for the pod, and bringing you the very latest about what uh, happens at the legislature on our first at the legislature on our first day of session and with governor fallon's state of the state we'd love to see you there that's right so i'm planning to be there on the fourth floor rotunda just the big open area there at beginning at 11 o'clock on monday so please come find us i'll have my red button on if you don't know what i look like 
I don't know how you found our podcast, but that's great. Go to our website, letsfixthisok.org. Um, my picture's on there. I'd love to meet you, and we would love to get your, your impressions before or after the speech and kind of find out what your thoughts are about what's going on this session, what you care about as, as citizens, as regular folks, what are the most important issues to you. For me, the really key thing is I want to get some people's responses. Yeah, we would absolutely love to see you there. I would tell you to look for me on the fourth floor as well, but... Um, I'll be there closer to 1130, and also I'm short. So assuming there's a lot of people there, which there will be, you may have trouble finding me in a crowd. So the State of the State speech will kick off usually between 12 and 1230. So we encourage you to get there early, maybe around 1130, 1145 if you can, to find a seat and uh, and kind of get situated. There's always a pretty good crowd, or always. Last year when I attended, which is the only year I've attended, there was a pretty good crowd. And it was really interesting being there in person, much different than watching it online. Because you can kind of feel the pulse of the room. You can feel what proposals, how they land with the legislature. For the last several years, the governor and the legislature have not always seen eye to eye on these. Yeah, and the speech has not typically been, uh, when I, again, I say typically the last few years, has not been um, really well received. The moment I can think of last year was the governor was talking about, she said, we have a revenue problem. And everyone was like, yes, we do. It's like, I want to do this and that. We got to, you know, raise revenue, do this. And she said, I want to. I want to raise taxes on everything except personal income and the gross production. Well, she said, (laughs) yeah, she said, I want to um, like repeal the tax on groceries. And we're all like, "Uh, yeah, that'd be great. But also we need money. And so it's like, we need more money. We're going to cut taxes on groceries. You're like, I Yes to both of those things, but they don't necessarily go together. Right. And then she proposed raising taxes on all services, yeah. uh, or on like 652 services. And some of those didn't make sense. Some did. So it was kind of a mixed bag. And so it was really interesting to kind of look around the room and see people like kind of scratching their heads and some folks whispering to neighbors of like, uh, yeah, but. And that's something I would not have caught if I was watching it online. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Andy, what um, <clears throat> I just said absolutely twice back to back. Absolutely. For those playing the drinking game, you'll get hammered if you take a shot every time I say absolutely. absolutely. So, Andy, uh, what are your top top predictions right. for the state of the state? What do you think is going to happen on Monday? Um, so I think she's going to propose raising taxes on services again. I think that she will uh, heavily promote the step up plan. Um I, I don't think that she will specifically state raising taxes on income taxes, um, but I and I think that she will. Ooh, I don't. I want to say something about the GPT, but I don't know that she'll even address it directly. Besides, like we should look at this. It'd be curious. I don't know who writes the governor's speeches, but as you mentioned earlier, some of the policy changes are things that the legislature can't change, and so. Hopefully she will not address those because it's moot, but it's like a cow's opinion. It's moo. It's moo. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that she will. um, I think she's going to, in terms of, I think you're right. She's going to heavily promote parts of the step-up plan. I think she's going to unequivocally endorse and call for a teacher pay raise. Yeah. I think that there are several of the revenue measures that she's going to endorse specifically. She's going to come out in favor of the cigarette tax, the fuel tax, the wind power tax, the gaming tax. I actually think that she will probably not call for an increase in the personal income tax. I think she will call for refundable income tax credits. I think she's going to call to do away with some of those. Um, I think also she will 
uh, heavily promote criminal justice reform. Yeah. She did last year. Yeah. It's a common sense thing that everyone supports. Um, Except for the, like five people in the house. Well, the holdup was uh, was Biggs, and he's gone, he's gone now. Yeah, he moved up. True. So I think we might be able to get those passed this year. So, uh, Scott, I'm going to propose that we hold off on giving our predictions for what's actually going to happen during this session until Monday, um, until our recording on Monday. And during that, we will, we're each going to give our predictions, a yes or no, um, on like a pass or no pass on a, a list of things. And we'll make that list publicly available. And so if you as listeners, uh, we'll put it out on social media and send it maybe as an email as well. If you want to cast your votes and send it in, um, whoever gets the most right will get something, maybe a tote bag. I mean, that's been our, that's been our, that's been our gift of choice. Yeah. But so far I've funded those out of pocket. I'd like to, I'll tell you, we'll, make, we'll make it, make it interesting. Um, whoever wins, we will love to have you as a guest on the pod and I will personally finance a, uh, a nice bottle of whiskey or wine or beer, your choice. What if they're underage? Well, then I'll sparkling think, grape then juice. I'll think, and then I'll think of something else. I'm, I'm assuming we don't have many. I'm assuming we don't have many uh, under twenty one listeners. Ye but, of little faith. Nah, I'm, that's yeah. so. If you if you win, if you get the most right on this list, and we'll we will well, reiterate this, and we'll hash out the details yeah. on our. We're making it up as we go along. Uh, we'll hash out the details on Monday, um, but the winner will say gets to come on the podcast with us and something else. Yeah, yet to be determined. Something. Something, awesome. something, right. something delicious that Fair you enjoy. All right, great. So, um, as a quick recap, we do have some upcoming events. We've mentioned Monday, February fifth, is the State of the State address. Just plan on noon, noon on Monday. Think about that and show up uh, if you can. And then uh, remember that February twenty second is our first Capital Day, nine o'clock in the morning in the Blue Room. It's on the second floor. Uh, go to our Facebook page. We've got the event there. Facebook.com slash Let's Fix This OK. Also, it's on our website, Let's Fix This OK.org. As we're going through the uh, as we're going through the session, you're going to hear us call out bills and talk about them frequently. Um, we will, you know, I think undoubtedly slip into kind of the vernacular of talking about oh the tax cut bill or this revenue bill or that animals belong to Almighty God bill. Whenever possible, though, we're going to refer to bills by their House and Senate bill designation, and that's important because you can go to Legiscan. L-E-G-I-S-C-A-N dot com. And at Legiscan, you can sign up for a free account and you can track these bills along with us. So if you hear us talk about a bill that really piques your interest and you want to know how it's progressing through the legislature, you know, what's happening in committee, you can sign up for Legis- an account on Legiscan.com and get those updates right along with us. And we really encourage you to do that. Yeah, it's a great service. And you can read the full text of the bill on there, which might be a great way to go to sleep at night. Absolutely. Or during the middle of the day, for that matter. All right, Andrew. All right, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This Okay. Scott is at SC Melson, and I am at Andy OKC. You can also like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Let's Fix This Okay. And our website is Let's Fix This Okay.org. And on there, you can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog. And find resources and details about upcoming events like those that we've mentioned. Our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And Let's Pod This is a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. 
Our theme music is provided by the Sugar Free All Stars. Let's fix this. It's a nonpartisan, nonprofit, grassroots organization, and we strive to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with your government. We encourage you to get involved in any way that you can. We'd love for you to come to our events. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Thanks a lot.